Pod people. This is Historical AF. My name is Natalie. I'm Keena. Oh, dude. <laughs> and I'm David. We are a historian, a librarian, and a special guest bringing you the weird, funny, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. And in those holes, this is episode 37. And we're bringing the extra weird because it's cults. Cults part one. Special guest, David. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, Yay. David. Y'all met him in the mini gab, and now he's here again. Still Yay. single. Still yeah. single, ladies. <laughs> it, ha- it hasn't changed. Still an Aquarius. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Still so strong like bull. <laughs> so, yeah, if you believe in any of that uh, astrology stuff and you're not compatible <laughs> with an Aquarius, hit me up anyway. So, <laughs> we'll go from there. It's like, you like to take risks, right? You know? <laughs> I mean, I've got a sketchy history, yeah. What is your love language? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, actually, sadly, I have that audiobook. Because I... Ha- oh, fun fact. Something I forgot to mention in the minigab thing. I have horrendous ADD. So, I can't... We read. all do. Us, too. And, Yay. And, I can physically read, but I can't actually read. So I have audiobooks because, you know, yeah. I can't focus long enough. I love um, audiobooks. That's all I listen to. Are you talking? So you're talking love languages. Like, <laughs> I am a gifter. So oh, okay. I, I should. And then for my personal self, I'm a words of affirmation person. Oh, yeah. I'm a words of affirmation. Seek is a uh, acts of service. Well, so, so like I show mine with acts of service, but like my receiving is more of a word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, he shows his love by being acts of service. So he'll like make me coffee or like put air in my tires. And I'm like, just say like something nice to me. That's all I want. <laughs> just call me pretty. <laughs> just do something. It's fine. Right. Right. It's a fun test. You should take it. What? Fun fact. The library made me take that test. Like they made us take the Myers Briggs test and they made us take the love language test because they wanted to know how they can make us feel better, give us stuff, or be nice to us or something. I don't know, make us better workers. It was very that weird. makes no sense at work. A lot of the questions in the love language is very sexual, and we're like, uh, I don't want to do this at work. <laughs> this is, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so you got out before that happened. Oh, yeah. No, I know that. I'm just, <laughs> I don't know what, what language I would have. It's kind of like a little bit of everything. Yeah, you should take the test. It's fine. So it's almost New Year's. Do you have any resolutions, years. David? Yeah. Me? I want to travel more. I actually probably should work more. The type of insurance I do, I'm really only busy like three months out of the year. So. Oh. Yeah, so I actually got my insurance adjuster's license this past year. So I think mm-hmm. I'm actually, you know, going to use that this year. So, <laughs> uh, so really, really put my best foot forward and try and start actually really making money. And so I have a little cousin that's like my daughter. And so mm-hmm. I kind of have to do different things for her. And so I have to really kind of plan for her future, you know, because she's 10 now, even oh. though she's a supersized kid. She just turned ten in June. She's five foot three and 140 pounds, and wow. she is mean. She's so mean. <laughs> so I got to start saving up bail money or something. Yeah, it's probably. 
Baylor College. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I you would love our last guest. Like, our last guest, that's what they do. is like they work and then they travel the world. That's what they that's do. That's exactly what I want to do. A perfect world, I would work like six months out of the year and then live abroad six months out of the year. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, they just got back from Italy. They, they spent oh. a lot of time there. I know. I know. I hate them. Those bitches. (laughs) I know. It was such a good collab, but I'm like, I kind of hate you because you just you just lived in Italy. And I'm like, what was your favorite place? Like Prague. And I'm like, God damn it, I'd love to go to Prague. Yeah. Yeah. Czech Republic's on there. I got a lot of places I want to go. All right. Well, quit dancing. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah. How toasted are you over there? Hot, because I haven't slept. 2.30. 2.30. This is not natural for me. <laughs> so, I've only had two drinks, but I feel way drunker. It'll okay. be fine. Oh, yeah. It's going to be just that much more fun. I love it. Well, I guess my <laughs> topics aren't that much fun, so I guess being drunk is going to work. David, are you drinking tonight with us? Negative. This would be <laughs> sweet tea with artificial sweeteners. <laughs> <laughs> It's unsweet tea with artificial sweeteners, I should say. Okay. Because, one, I get really talkative when I'm drinking. Oh, no, we need that. Come on. (laughs) No, I'm talkative enough. I'm talkative enough as it is. It's like you have one job. (laughs) It's a podcast. You're supposed to talk. (laughs) I mean, I could go get like a refill. Do you have some booze to put in that sweet tea? I mean, there are, but do you know how much alcohol it takes to get me drunk? Yes. <laughs> yes it's, it is a disgusting amount. <laughs> I'm kind of a lightweight for being a giant. I don't know what's wrong. Our old days at the Fox. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> me, you, Toby, and Leslie. <laughs> it's a tiny little bar in the middle of nowhere. It's non-existent uh, now. Yeah. It's about the size of this bedroom. <laughs> God, I had some good times there. So oh, many. Yeah. yeah, so many drinks. All right, so which first oh, thing? My <laughs> first one, I will do historical because I did the psychology of cults. Ooh. So I'm going to whip out my psych degree here. Be impressed. Pardon me while I whip this out. <laughs> Please tell me you're... Please tell me you've seen Blazing Saddles. I have. I love it so much. I love Blazing Saddles. I have that movie memorized. It's so good. I watched it at the Alamo Draft House in Corpus Christi earlier this year. Oh, my God. I went down to visit Renee, and they were having a special showing of it. And I was like, um, fuck yes. (laughs) Why wouldn't I do this? And it was all themed. They gave you, like, cap guns and shit. Yes. and anytime they started it. like shooting in the movie, you were supposed to shoot your cap guns. Oh, that's so, amazing. The yeah. draft house movie parties are like the greatest thing that I've ever discovered in Texas. I yeah. I will never go back to Arkansas. <laughs> <It's so laughs> great. All right, y'all, listen. So I signed up for Wink Wine Club and I got my box. And I've mentioned it before that when I got the box, I started getting emails and it was suggesting recipes that should go with each of the wines. And one of mine that I got was called Chop Shop and it suggested that we eat that with things like ribs or burgers 
and I was instantly intrigued because my husband loves to smoke ribs. So the other day he smoked some beef ribs and it was amazing and we paired it with that wine and even he, a skeptic who also knows nothing about the wine, was impressed. And he asked me where I got that wine and I was like, dude, we got that from Wink Wine Club and you know what? You can too! I highly recommend it. It's the holidays. So treat yourself or treat somebody you love with a Wink Wine Club box. And your girls got you because right now Wink is offering our listeners $22 off your first order when you go to trywink.com slash historical AF and that's Wink W-I-N-C and it gets even better guys, I swear. I know you hate paying for shipping. I hate paying for shipping. Everybody hates paying for shipping. There's my over voice for you. So Wink is actually going to pay for your shipping on orders of four bottles or more. So the box I got was four bottles. So bam, $22 off and complimentary shipping. So let's all take something off our to-do list, our holiday checklist right now and go to trywink.com slash historical AF to get $22 off your first order right now. One, two, three, go. That's trywink.com slash historical AF. I know a lot of us kind of whip out the whole cult thing, but does anybody even really know what the definition of a cult is? I mean, honestly. So I a cult is based in it. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> You're calling me out. So there's several different definitions, actually. So a cult is basically a group of people that demonstrates unquestioned loyalty to a dynamic leader of sorts. The leader governs most, if not aspects, of the followers' lives, often insisting that they break ties with the outside world. So, no family, no books, no news, you know, all that good stuff. Most people assume cults are religious groups, but they can be other forms. Not all cults are destructive. Some people join cults that end up being, like, religious connections. You know, the communes were, like, farm and shit, so they're not all destructive. So the simplified definition is kind of wonky because it basically it says that you're adhering to a set of beliefs and in turn you're getting a sense of meaning and purpose. But by that definition, that actually could you know lead to things like Alcoholics Anonymous and political groups. And some people even consider the military to be a cult by that definition, which, you know, isn't great. So cults come in a variety of shapes and sizes. Not every person experiences will fit neatly into these categories, but the lists provide kind of an idea of the range of cults. So the first one is Eastern cult. So that's going to be your like spiritual reincarnation, attaining nirvana one. The next one is religious cults, which is afterlife, apocalyptic views, practicing things like praying and evangelizing. The next one's political, racist, or terrorist cults, which should be pretty self-explanatory. There's psychotherapy, human potential, or mass transformational cults. So those are like the super life coach that's like, I have unique insight. I'm going to help you live. And then the commercial multi-marketing is considered a cult. So I think you're MLMs, you know. Uh, I got works. your... Uh, yeah. Got this yeah, those are... <laughs> Yes, those are considered cults because they kind of isolate you and they take advantage of your money. And uh, yeah, it's not great. 
And a lot of times they say like the MLMs cross over into the religious and political because they're based on the ultra conservative values and stuff. So they really prey on those people. Mm. There's also new age cults. So those are going to be UFO, alien, spiritual faith healing cults. And then you get your like occult, satanic and black magic. And then there's the one-on-one family cults. So the biggie in like psychology is trying to figure out the destructive cult. So those are going to be the ones that you think of, like Charles Manson, you know, drink the Kool-Aid kind of cult. I totally, had I planned ahead, because I'm not this good, I have a really cool shirt that has Charles Manson on the front of it, and it says Influencer on it. (laughs) And so I would have worn that shirt had I known. But, you know, I'm 600 miles from the house. Yeah. I actually just watched that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, movie. And I love how he always has, like, the alternate ending that should have happened in history. And then that one is, like, basically Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt just, like, fuck their shit up and they don't ever kill anybody. So I'm like, that's how it should have ended. But They bashed that chick's head on that fire mantle. It's like, (laughs) oh, my God. He got, like, a flamethrower, like, burnt that chick in the pool. Oh, it's so good. Gotta love it. But that's not what happened. (laughs) But it's not happening in real life. Basically, this whole thing of the destructive cult is that there's, like, one person that has control over everything. And everybody is kind of giving up every piece of themselves to please this person. It's also a process of indoctrination or education. Basically, members of the group doing things that are not in their best own interest, but consistently in the best interest of the leader. So this could also be economic, sexual, or other exploitation of the group members. So a lot of times that could be like labor violations, child abuse, medical neglect, or in some extreme cases that could be mass suicide, which we see in a lot of the more famous cults. Think Jim Jones. Some groups that were once seen as cults have historically evolved to become actual religions. So, for example, the Seventh-day Evangelists, were once led by Ellen White or the Mormons, founded by Joseph Smith. They're actually more in control of other people, so they're not technically cults anymore. They're kind of religions, but they're still kind of cults. Scientology's got to be in there. <laughs> it is. Scientology Science. is considered a cult. <laughs> it is wild. Scientology is insane to me. I don't Joe know. Rogan does this whole bit, and because mm-hmm. I'm a big stand-up comedy person, ladies. And uh, so... Uh, so I'm a big stand-up comedy person, and Joe Rogan does this whole bit about Scientology because, you know, it was founded by L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. And L. Ron Hubbard is a, a fiction writer. He's like, L. Ron Hubbard has wrote more fiction in the history of ever than anybody. He's like, this motherfucker doesn't believe in a second draft. He's like, he doesn't edit anything. He's just, whatever. And, of course, <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard, he put out that book saying that if I wanted to make a lot of money, I'd create my own religion. And mm-hmm. here we are. Yeah. And so, yeah. Okay. So that's a cult. Yeah, they're definitely considered a cult. And they're even so much of a cult that they don't even fit into, like, the UFO cults. So John G. Clark Jr., his an assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Harvard, says that there's probably 2,500 to 3,000 cults in the United States with dozens of small cults too numerous to, like, keep track of. So right now there's an estimated 300,000 thousand to three million cults no way right now yeah in the u.s or in the world like in the world yeah three million's a lot that's, like a, that's lot. a lot <laughs> but they're all in utah 
that. Like, if you look like <laughs> they're all in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think of like MLMs and then you think about like religious oh, and uh, all of them, them. Yeah, we're counting everybody. Okay. Not just destructive ones. Destructive ones are the ones that are like going to, you know, hurt people, but just everything. Because my dad was in a cult, but it was a commune. And I don't think they're really hurting anybody. It was just like a farming. Everybody chips in shit. But I don't think they were destructive. So there's no standard profile what a destructive cult victim is. And it could really be anybody. And interestingly, psychologists have studied mental health. And they cannot find like a single thing that makes somebody susceptible to a cult. There's just everybody could be in a cult and just mental illness isn't a part of it, which I thought probably could be a contributor, but not necessarily. So once they get you a conversion, a typical manipulation conversion involves a vulnerable person. So the examples I gave in like psychology today was like a student leaving home or somebody who's lost a friend or lover, somebody who's enticed by some kind of reward uh, there's companionship, peace of mind, a place to stay, implied sexual offerings. So cult recruiters frequently hang out at bus stations, airports, campuses, libraries, rallies, anywhere that they could find some unattached person that's just kind of looking for a person, like somebody to relate to. So they really prey on the people that are hurting. Wouldn't frats and sororities fall into that? <laughs> Probably. I'm dead Honestly, serious. Like, yeah. yeah. I, reading this, I think sororities and fraternities would fall in the it's cult. It's true. Because it's that whole, like, you want a place to belong. I think I've mentioned my dad being a cult, but I've never talked about it. But he was an alcoholic, and he saw a cult as a way to be sober. And he used it because they kind of offered them this, like, religious thing to try to cure him. And that's it didn't work out. But it's uh, they prey on people that have issues and our insecurities and like things happening in their life. And they kind of pinpoint those people. They tend to invite them to some meetings and gatherings. Once people have been recruited by the cult, they're often love bombed, which is the technical term actually. And this phrase is commonly used to describe the ways in which somebody with low self-esteem is consistently flattered, complimented and seduced to kind of train their brain to associate the cult with love and acceptance. So they find people in like the lowest, parts of their life and just completely like throw all this love at them so the person's like okay this is where i need to be so eventually they keep the mark involved in the group activities they use meditation obsessive praying constant lecturing or preaching or lack of sleep even to maintain a constant debilitated state keeping devotees constantly fatigued deprives their sensory input and suffering protein deprivation they work long hours they do all kinds of stuff and engage a monotonous chanting, rhythmic sing, uh, singing, all these things. It changes the brain chemistry and that makes them more susceptible to the cult. Once they entice the recruit to some approval or promise of some fulfilling understanding of the universe, Coldison work to isolate the recruit. Often this takes the form of a weekend retreat or they're immersed in the cult's ideology over a couple of days. Not only are the recruits physically isolated from their friends and family who might be like, hey, you shouldn't man a cult, but cults often isolate recruits from outside information. So they deprive them of newspapers, books, TV, web access, everything's censored. So make sure that the only reality that they're facing is the one that they give them. It makes sense why people would be like, I don't even realize I'm in a cult. 
because it's the only reality they have. They also have the we-they approach, us versus them. So it kind of turns them against everybody in the outside world. A guy named Dr. Clark hypothesized that the cult conversion syndrome represents an overload of the brain's ability to process information. He says the unending personalization attention given to recruits during a conversion experience works to overload the information processing capacity. This is another important function. So it makes a trance-like state. And like once people's brains are functioned to the point where they're in a trance, they can make them do anything. So then they have the suggestibility. So that's where they get people where they want them. And then it escalates. And then at this point, they kind of contain emotional control over the people. And they do things to publicly humiliate the person. So it'd be something like putting somebody in a chair and then everybody is around them and they force them to say things that, you know, the recent failures, the things they think about, their shortcomings, and it's a way to belittle the person. And then they also force them to give them things that can incriminate them so that if they try to leave the cult, they could use that information against them. And then, of course, brainwashing. So it's a way to make them think that there's no other way than to be in the cult. And then they also use paranoia. So, like, if they try to leave the cult, things are going to happen to them. Interestingly, people that are in a cult tend to not even realize they're in a cult. (laughs) So, psychologist Dr. Margaret Thaler-Singer spent most of her career studying the psychology of cults and brainwashing. She found that most people that enter a cult do so willingly, and they have no idea that they're actually in a cult. She theorizes that this is because people are more willing to see the perceived benefits over the perceived danger. Also, psychologists have found that when you leave a cult, your entire brain chemistry has changed. And it's actually really close to like epilepsy, like the way your brain works, because it completely changes everything about you. So now that we know what a cult is, here's three famous cults in American history. You ready? First one's Jonestown. Everybody's heard of that one, right? I've heard of Jonestown. I don't know much about it yet. Okay, so it's November 18th, 1978. Reverend Jim Jones was embraced by the African Americans in this way that he was doing all these speeches about racial equality. And from the 1950s until the People's Temple in 1978, he was seen as a beacon of peace across the whole racial divide because that was a really... It was a really crazy time back then. But then he had decided to move to Guyana, Africa, and he created Jonestown. And he brought all of his believers there. And people were like, oh, this ain't great. So a lot of the family members, the people that he brought to Jonestown, caught the attention of California Congressman Leo Ryan. So the congressman sought to investigate whether the cult members were being held against their will. And... He traveled to this place to meet Jones and he was ambushed on the plane by the reverend's followers and he was shot in the face basically and died. So it escalated very quickly. And then Jones was like, oh shit, I'm in trouble. So he led his 918 followers to create a mass murder suicide known as the Jonestown Massacre on November 18, 1978. And he convinced every single one of them to drink a cyanide mixture that was mixed with flavor aid, which was like the cheap ass Kool-Aid version. That's where and, the phrase uh, drink the Kool-Aid comes from. Yes. <laughs> I 
And it wasn't even Kool-Aid. It was Flavor Aid. He couldn't even, like, spring for the good shit. So after everybody died, he shot himself in the head. And he died last. Now, I think the Heaven's Gate people kind of did the same thing, right? So, yes. like, Heaven's Gate, they were the white sneaker people. And so, yes. so they drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, they drink the Kool-Aid, too. And then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but yeah. And so the whole drinking the Kool-Aid thing is a very common murder-suicide. Yeah. So by the time people came to investigate that guy getting shot in the face, they were like, it was just so many people dead. And it was like children, too. It was horrible. So, fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Manson family kind of mentioned him earlier he was an ex-convict and he was a singer songwriter which i did not know but he was very charismatic which is a sign of a cult leader and he was able to woo followers mostly women to a non-religious cult that he believed a race war known as helter skelter was imminent so he was obsessed with that Beatles song and he created it as like a mantra for his cult He described Scientology and Satanism as influential to his beliefs, told those who joined the Manson family cult that when the African-American rebels won the war, they would be elevated by the survivors to lead the survivors of the United States. He's just batshit crazy. As the leader of the Manson family, he influenced the murders of nine people in California, including the murders of actress Sharon Tate and four others in her home. It was like a horrific murder, too. They wrote, like, kill the pig and blood on the wall. And she was pregnant, too. It's just horrible. Now, now my whole thing with the Manson thing. Now, this <laughs> I'm not trying to say that he wasn't a bad person. <laughs> but, like, the dude served life in prison. And they tried to parole him a couple of times, of course. But he was <laughs> like, no, I'll do it again. And so he'd act all crazy. But, like, he didn't actually kill any. basically had these radical followers. <laughs> and, yeah. So, I mean, good for him. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was the thing. Is like, as a cult leader, he was able to convince these people to do everything for him. He didn't have to do a single thing. So, even people that were in his cult, one woman was responsible for an attempted assassination of President Gerald Ford. Like, it was just wild. He was sentenced to death for his crimes, but because California banned the death penalty, he lived in prison for decades before he died on November 19th, 2017. Yeah. When I think of, I mean, I think about that it's a long time ago, not he just died two years ago. If you just ever watched any of his interviews, he was real crazy. Like, this guy was all crazy. He Mm -hmm. just had this real, like, glassy glassy-eyed, blank stare, and he would just lash out at people all the time. So, I mean, he was, yeah, he lived in crazy town. Oh, yeah, he was a psychopath for sure. He was, ugh, give me creeps. Anything you watch of him, it's just, like, goosebumps. But, like, once upon a time, Hollywood, everything is pretty much correct up until the end, so everything's really pretty historically accurate until, like, he doesn't kill Sharon Tate, but it's, uh... Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, the next one's like a very short version of the Branch Davidians. It was formed by the charismatic leader, David Koresh, who was expelled from the Seventh-day Adventist church. The Branch Davidians shared a belief that the end of the world was drawing near. 
So Koresh, recognized often for his musical talents on the guitar, believed he was the Messiah who spoke the true word of God. He also believed that all women were his spiritual wives, resulting in multiple <laughs> relationships with women in the cult, married and single alike. Members stockpiled weapons at the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas. They prepared for the pending apocalypse. They also caught attention of the ATF agents who attempted to raid the compound on February 28, 1993 for alleged weapons violations. An intense gun battle ensued, killing four agents along with six Branch Davidian members. The incident sparked a 51-day standoff that would come to be a deadly conclusion on April 19, 1993. When negotiations stalled following the release of 19 children, the FBI and state authorities moved in on the compound with tanks that fired tear gas. As television cameras carried live pictures on cable and network news, a major fire erupted inside the compound as the Branch Davidians set the compound ablaze. In the end, 76 people were killed in the building. Investigators determined that those who did not perish in the fire actually died from gunshot wounds or from being crushed when the concrete walls actually collapsed. So, big clusterfuck of shit that just happened. Yeah, the ATF, because the FBI and the ATF, if you watch the Mm -hmm. miniseries thing of Waco, Mm -hmm. like, the ATF and the FBI did not get along. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were always at odds and things like that, and they actually kind of started that fire. The fire started mm-hmm. because they were throwing tear gas and stuff into the uh, into the house. And mm-hmm. so there's a pretty dramatic scene at the end of it where, I mean, the people are trying to get out because there's like an escape route, but it's blocked off. And so you just see them like, I don't know, dying, <laughs> dying yeah. in fire. And so it's pretty dramatic there at the end. But uh, one of the coolest things, so the FBI cuts off their power, right? David Koresh was a musician, too. So, a, lo- a little like Manson, but more like Southern Rock instead of Hipster. <laughs> so, what is he, anyway, like the kid rock of... Uh, uh, this is the funniest thing, and it turned out to be true. So, they had cut off the power to the house. They had a generator there, and, a st- and just enough gas to last like an hour. So, instead of them doing anything productive with it, they... They have a concert on the roof. They're like, they hooked up their their instruments and they had a concert. It's like a big fuck you <laughs> to the FBI. And I was just like, oh my god, this dude is like an anti-hero. Like, aside from just being like, aside from just being like this terrible person, that is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. If there was ever a rock star move, like that was it. Yeah, like, yeah that is. All right, I give you that one. Like you got yeah. that. You get one. Because <laughs> to the point where, like, I called my sister and I was like, "Have you been watching the show?" And she's like, "No." But it's on like the third or the fourth episode out of six, so I had to make her watch three hour long episodes just so she could get to the one <laughs> part I wanted her to see. To put yeah. it in context, that's my plug for Waco. That that's what I got. Waco yeah, sponsor us. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I like going to Waco. I need to go to Branch Dominion, but I haven't been there yet. They also have a woolly mammoth. So, huh? you know, if you get your fill of colts, hop on over and see the woolly mammoth. <laughs> and go eat at that burger company, because it's like the best food I've ever had. Some of these people that were in this, like, 
show. Obviously, the real names are in there. You can find them on Facebook. It's crazy because <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't know why you could do that. I wouldn't be crazy enough to look them up, I don't think. Or would I? And so, uh, but <laughs> she you has can find them up. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. You can find these people. And so you're like, oh, you're a normal person. You were just crazy for like 10 years. <laughs> I got really quiet really quick. Yeah. What's your story, Natalie? <laughs> well, I didn't know if you had another one or keep no, going. No, that's it. Okay. All right, we're going to do morbid. Oh. So. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be pretty bad. Uh, we're like, oh, join our okay. podcast. It's so fun and hilarious. And we just talk about murder constantly. Murder. Okay. I found this article called Six Lesser Known Cults That Will Give You More Nightmares Than American Horror Story. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Threaten me with a good time. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So, the Ant Hill Kids, which I think oh. is a dumb name, but oh, well. I've never heard of that. Well, it's funny, they're in Canada. And I'm like, Canada, you're supposed to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I would have never guessed that Canada had a lot of cult. I don't think they have a lot, but this one was pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Canada's known for their for cults. Alright, so the Ant Hill Kids. Roch Theriault ran a small doomsday cult in Ontario, Canada between 1977 and 1989, exercising absolute control over a dozen adults and at least 26 kids, most of whom he fathered with his nine concubines. Oh, no. Yes. Legend. <laughs> you think of it at first, but wait till it gets juicy, which is his goal was to predict the end of the world, which um, did not happen. And at least not yet. And in 1979, so he successfully became a sadistic cult leader, demanding absolute loyalty and punishing naysayers and doubters. This is when it gets the morbid. So hold your breath. He nailed children to trees. Ah! Nailed? Who hasn't wanted to do that once in a while? <laughs> <laughs> or who's, who's like, admitted that out loud? <laughs> they want to do that. <laughs> As much as I have fun working with kids, but I really don't want them. Yeah, so he nailed little children to trees and made his followers eat their own feces. When angered, he'd strip them down and beat them with a bat, pluck their hairs out one by one, and many other forms of abuse. He also refused to take anyone to the doctor. Instead, performing surgeries himself without any anesthetics. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Which uh, resulted in one woman's death from pulling out her own intestines. Ah! Yeah. And my stomach twists every time. (laughs) (laughs) He also killed a child during a failed circumcision. Oh. Uh, Sorry. David's reaction. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it hurts me and I don't even I don't even oh. need that. <laughs> Ow. 
I, honestly, I would rather die during a circumcision than not have the circumcision, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, for just real talk. And one more died after being left out in a blizzard as punishment. Another Aww. child. It wasn't until 1989 that Gabriel Olavier, I don't know if I'm pronouncing these names right, but sounds fancy enough, having been brutally mutilated by Thurlt on more than one occasion, finally escaped and contacted authorities. He was given a life sentence, but he was killed in 2011 by his cellmate. Oh. Here's the kicker, though. Still, a good portion of his followers never recovered from their abuse and have continued to obey his teachings. Oh, wow. I'm telling you, when I went to the Branch Davidian place in Waco, those people are still, they're on board. Just know that. It's crazy how, like, that all gets ingrained with them. Yeah. Wild. Mm-hmm. Another one is the Kashi Ashram. In the 1970s, a New York housewife saw visions of Jesus and two Hindu spirit guides and gave her a new name and started her own religion. <laughs> I just, it's not funny. It's sad. I I, well, it's I'm just funny. thinking there's, there's conflict of interest here. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's just like, it's funny because it's the delusion of it. But I know some people really believe in this and I mean that's great to them but it's what it also leads up to I think that's the the line of a cult versus just worshipping something is just when it starts off kind of more innocent and just togetherness to like let's murder children alright so she renamed herself as Mahaya Sati or Jaya Majaya something like that called herself the guru is greater than god she eventually yeah started off great and fun fact julia roberts was in full support of this at one point oh that's not a good look no (laughs) (laughs) because at first it was all about peace and togetherness but eventually find out that this lady was very obsessed with children i don't think she could have kids by herself so she would force other couples to give her and her partner their child oh, and like so no. there are these kids with birth their birth certificate says that they were the birth parents even though they weren't oh. this ma lady so there was sexual assault kidnapping psychological abuse at one point she reportedly punished a boy whom a member had molested by beating him then painting oh. his penis black and making him parade around the grounds on their compound oh that's sad One of the worst offenses is when she forced her 14-year-old daughter to marry an adult member of the church, ordering her to have sex with him, and then checking to see if she was pregnant. Oh. Uh, She died in 2012, but the legacy has not. Kashi Ashram still exists to this day. Okay, that's unfortunate. You start thinking about stuff like this and, like, your lead up to it. And you're thinking, oh, this is 100 years ago. And then you're like, she died in 2012. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's how I feel about Manson. Okay, I kind of studied him a little bit in history, or you watch these old shows that took place in the 70s or whenever, and you learn about these cults. But like, no, he died in my lifetime. He's, mm-hmm. he, or this is still happening today. It's just, it blows my mind. Yeah. Next up is... The Fall River Cult. It all started when the body of 17-year-old 
sex worker Doreen Visk was found outside Massachusetts High School. Her wrists were bound in fishing line and beaten and horribly sexually assaulted. You know, like that happens. That's terrible. (sighs) All right. Uh, Police originally suspected one of her clients had done it, but one year later, the body of another sex worker was found on a makeshift altar. So led to the thought of cults. And later, a sex worker named Karen Marsden came forward, fearing for her life, claiming that pimp Carl Drew and sex worker Robin Murphy, who was also uh, Marsden's girlfriend, were responsible for the murders. She said Drew and Murphy were part of a devil-worshipping prostitution ring and that they performed rituals and human sacrifices deep within the forest. Ah, she worried that she could be the next victim for cooperating with the authorities. So with the co- cooperation, um, though they didn't take her concerns seriously, of course, six months later, Marsden's body was found. Oh, um, no. Or rather, it actually wasn't her whole body. It was her toothless skull. Oh, my God. Yeah. Drew was arrested in April of 1980 and charged in Marsden's death, while another man... His last name is Malteus, was charged in connection to one of the other murders with the alleged cult. Murphy pleaded guilty to second degree murder and got a reduced sentence in exchange for her testimony against the others. However, there are those who believe Murphy, an aspiring pimp herself, uh, with ties to the occult, was the real mastermind behind the ritualistic killings. Others think the murders weren't actually devil worship and were sensationalized because of the satanic panic in the 80s. Oh, yeah. You don't see a lot of satanic pimps out there, is all I'm saying. I know, and then maybe the woman is a mastermind. The road less traveled. Plot twist. Well, of course, that that isn't confirmed. That's just some theories, (laughs) but it does make you wonder. All right, I'll do... I got my Halloween costume for next year. (laughs) (laughs) Satanic pimp. Coming to a town near you. Ladies, he's single. <laughs> just, uh, just like, you do southern accent, like, I'm a so- satanic pimp, y'all. Like, <laughs> I don't really have a southern accent, though. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but, so does Keenan, so do I. So it's all right. That's sure true. It comes up. <laughs> the hills can't, you can't escape the hills. They come out. Yeah. Especially, oh, this Christmas, it's going to hit hard because I'll be with all my family. Mm. <laughs> hey, um, cool. Yeah. Out Mina. <laughs> Actually, Magnolia, because that's where my parents are from. A girl I uh, do weight training with goes to college down there. Okay. So, yeah. So, SAU, I went there for a couple of years before I moved to Little Rock, actually. Yeah, she's on the track team down there. Oh, nice. Um, but more murder. All right. One more story. <laughs> Back to the murder. Focus. Yeah, I can't about that. This last one is Marcus Weston, the Vampire King. Oh, shit. So I, think I read if, a book about, this is like the Twilight series, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's based on it. That, that. They I wonder if he's Yeah, that, there you go. Great. <laughs> two time. That two-timing bitch that's leading those two guys on. Whatever. What was her name? 
Kristen Stewart. No, her care. Yeah, Bella. Bella. What a fucking whore. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, go on. That's awesome. All right. In 2004, 57-year-old Marcus Weston stepped out of his house in Fresno, covered in blood, and police knew that something had gone horribly wrong. What? Yeah. That's usually a pretty good indicator. (laughs) (laughs) What? Really? All right. Piled in the back of the house were the bodies of nine of his kids and grandkids. Oh, no. Surrounded by antique coffins. Oh. For decades, Weston had cultivated and controlled an incestuous family of followers through manipulation and physical abuse. He followed his own spiritual practice that combined Christianity and vampirism. Mm. Believing the Jesus Christ was actually a vampire and that the end times would be upon them when a police officer arrived at their door. Weston kept his son separate from his daughters and refused to let them socialize with each other and fear that they would develop sexual feelings for each other. Oh, Jesus. It's even funnier because I'm an only child. Like, <laughs> 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 like is this what you siblings do? Like, do you have these urges? <laughs> no. no. Negative. You, you do not. For those who cannot see this, Kina... And Mr. David here have given a hard no to that, very aggressively shaking their heads. <laughs> no, not normal. This is primarily because he considered himself God and all his daughters were his future wives. Gross. Yep. Wesson started marrying his daughters in 1974, sexually abusing them as children so they could bear even more kids for him. It's believed he fathered about 18 children through seven women, five whom were young girls at the time. Oh. Who in the world wants that many kids? <laughs> regardless of the means. I mean. Yeah. I'll give you I don't know, ask two the or three. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's a cult, well, too. So. Yeah. It's <laughs> so bad. Oh, I saw something that called them the neighborhood cult. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, 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 the cult next door or something like that. It made me laugh. My, I have an ex-girlfriend who her mom basically worshipped that family. And I was yeah. like, yes, they're just the pillar, the pillar of society. <laughs> All right. So after Wesson had declared that he planned to move his daughters and their kids to Washington State, several members of his extended family, along with two nieces who had rebelled against him, oh, heaven forbid, no. show, <laughs> showed up to his compound and demanded he release the kids. The police were called, believing it was a standard custody battle, but it soon turned out deadly. Well, yeah, covered in blood. Wesson was found guilty of nine counts of murder and several counts of rape and sexual assault. He's currently sitting on death row. So. Okay, I heard of this on a, another podcast, mm-hmm. and it went into a little bit more gruesome detail, but apparently like the cops showed up. And he was like, okay, I'll go get everybody. And then he, like, shot all of them and put them in a pile and then came out covered in blood. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Oh, my God. Who would do that? I just. And then he, I think he claimed somebody else shot them and he was just, like, innocent. Uh, mm, gross. Horrible. 
horrible people. So thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> and I wanted to get this one over with, especially with all the nailing children to the trees and oh, God. the rape and murder and, and incest and yeah, pulling I've intestines al- out. Oh, oh. That one gets me. Oh, yeah, so I've funny. only heard of one of those. Those are horrible. Horrifying. Four. Now one of my least favorite cult, which is CrossFitters. <laughs> <laughs> I can get that behind that. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole thing. My last story is spooky. <clears throat> so... This story has it all. It has cults, murder, creepy-ass jails, ghosts, demons, and Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures. So, here we go. Isn't he the dude from The Hobbit or whatever? N- no, that's the low Baggins. Oh, <laughs> no, that's the guy from Ghost Adventures, and he is just so ridiculous. But it's so funny to make fun of. So, I, I watched last night, and he's like, can we stop watching this now? It's so dumb. And I'm like, no, I gotta make fun of them some more. So, <laughs> that's not the way. We're gonna go to Guthrie, Oklahoma, to the home of the Black Jail that supposedly is haunted by inmates, religious extremists, and unfortunate husbands because it has ties to murder and some, you know, a little bit of terrorism, too. You know, like you do. <laughs> The Black Jail is born in, or born, built in 1892, 15 years before Oklahoma became a state. And then I Googled and it was 68 years after it became separated from Arkansas territory. Because, you know, we're all from Arkansas. It was constructed with 18 inch thick walls of dark limestone and brick. And it was supposedly inescapable. But every time you say something's inescapable or like unsinkable, you know what's going to happen. Like three years later, somebody's going to break out of that shit. So it's like Alcatraz. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to happen. Don't say that. It became the first federal prison in the Midwest of the United States, and it housed 90 prisoners, with solitary confinement being in the creepy-ass basement. Fun fact, they completely forgot to put insulation in this bitch, so it was freezing and damp in the winter, so everybody got the flu and respiratory infections, and then everybody was dropping like flies in the summer from heat exhaustion and dehydration. So, that sounds fun. Well... Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, don't go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, among the prisoners was the Dalton Gang and Bill Doolin. So I had to Google who that was because they were like, they're super important. And I was like, I don't know who the fuck that is. So the Dalton Gang were th- three brothers named Grattan. I don't know what kind of name that is. Bob and Emmett. And they were old Westy outlaws that, like, specialized in bank and train robberies. And then old Doolin was the founder of the Wild Bunch. And then he also specialized in robbing banks and trains. But he had his stagecoaches because, you know, I guess you need a little extra there. I've heard of the Wild Bunch. I haven't heard of the other guys. I've heard of the Dalton ones because I think they were tied into, uh, like, Jesse James and all of them. Probably. They did a lot of stuff in Arkansas when I was Googling. The Doolin guy was one of the 14 inmates that escaped this inescapable jail in 1896, which was not very long after it was built. Didn't even make a whole decade before somebody broke out. But they were, you know, shot in the face by a U.S. Marshal. So they did. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) That's a really Uh, bad place to be shot. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So Oklahoma is still not a state, but the black jail shuts down and it becomes abandoned. And then the Nazarene church bought it and did some renovations and they hung out until 1970 and then they bounced out of there. So naturally a cult moves in. So this is how it ties into a cult. In 1991, a New Age group of practitioners known as the Samaritans bought the abandoned building. The Samaritan Foundation was founded by Linda Green, who I highly recommend you YouTube that shit because she is just a piece of work. Holy shit. Anyway, so they traveled and a lot of people traveled around the country and they followed her rules and instructions. And she had all these weird ass rituals and seminars. She cautioned believers not to talk on telephones because she said vampires had access to them. She also claimed that celebrities and political figures were zombies, you know, naturally. And then she would teach her followers how to release pent up negative energy and release it correctly. So, you know, I'm sure everybody has thoughts on how to do that. I'm not going to say it because my mom listens to this. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) she's, her version was that you take all your negative energy and you put it into soy milk and then you pour it down a drain. <laughs> <laughs> I would have guessed that in a million years. It was in the 90s. Who had soy milk back then? Honestly, I did not. Um, only the very, very small health food stores with like splinter ridden <laughs> shelves and the hippiest people that are about 75 years old at that point. Yes. Yeah. That's about all you got. You'd really have to work for that. She mm-hmm. also called herself Christ because she said she was willing to give her soul for her followers so that all they right. could survive. So that's, that's, that's thoughtful. A yeah. <laughs> I can she also get a beef. friend to go to the movies with me. But <laughs> this person's... For you. Yeah. She's bonkers. She also hated barcodes because she said they were evil. And then she put all these like weird ass drawings underneath barcodes, like groceries, because that's how you get groceries. But then she also put them underneath children's pillows for some reason. So I guess she's equating evil barcodes with like evil children. I don't know. Possible. Yeah. So this wild ride was a secret until a father sued his baby mama for taking two of her kids into this cult without his consent. So he testified that their behavior had changed drastically once they had gotten into this cult and the court ruled in his favor. And by the end of that year, the Department of Human Services condemned the cult house and shut that shit down. So... By 1994, Samaritan Foundation's nosedived from 350 members to four. (laughs) And those four were her friend, Julia Williams, her fourth husband, Dennis Green, and her fifth husband, filmmaker Alan Ross. But plot twist, the fifth husband vanishes mysteriously on November of 1995. And then on December 4th of that year, husband number four was all like, I'm not going to take my chances. And he calls the police and says, Hey, Linda killed husband number five. He's in the crawl space. You need to figure this shit out. But then in like true 90s style, Linda sends a fax to the cops saying that number four actually killed number five. So nobody actually knows what happened. 
Then meanwhile, the husband of her five's family hires a private investigator and some psychics because that's what you do. And then they said he was alive in Texas. So they're like, oh, the psychics are like, he's alive. It's fine. But then, you know, shockingly, the psychics were wrong and they actually found his dead body in the crawl space. So, yeah. So nobody thought nobody thought to actually go check the crawl space. They're like, we'll bring in we'll bring in the professionals. We're going to bring in these psychics. This we is exactly. Do, we won't do the due diligence and just go look in the actual crawl space. Yeah. And then call them the psychics. Mm-hmm. They were psychics first. Okay. Yeah. Apparently that's what happened. It's protocol. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. We're checking it all was the, box. the 90s. <laughs> it was the 90s. <laughs> so right. they found him in the crawl space. And then an autopsy determined that he was shot twice in the head with a 9mm. And then he was also castrated. And Hopefully they say. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully shot first. But they said to this day, nobody knows what really happened. Since husband number four was like, she did it. And then he's like, no, she he did it. So, whatever. But the next year, Linda Green died in Berryville, Arkansas from liver failure at the age of 50. So, Working in a Tyson factory, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably. That's all that's in Berryville. What the fuck else we should be doing? They said her, her family said that she drank a lot to quiet the voices in her head. Okay, so this whole time, they'd all been interviewed, and everybody was giving conflicting reports, including Linda's friend, Julia, that we talked about. But right after Linda died, they interviewed her again, and she slipped and confessed to helping move the body. But then she still said that it was the husband that killed him, not Linda. So she was charged with... A uh, accessory to murder because she helped hide the body or whatever, and they only gave her two years in prison for that. So. Fun fact: I have a cousin that was charged with attempted capital murder, and he did that shit, and he only did two years in prison. Holy shit, Arkansas! Was it Arkansas? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What the That's fuck? That's some like old school like street justice. Yeah. Or what he yeah. thought was street justice, I should say. <laughs> what do you think he is? Like a ninja turtle? Come on. Well, he was uh, on the meths. <laughs> so, yeah. It's Arkansas. That's right. <laughs> Let's, no, we don't need to say that all sing songy. We do not. God, our state's terrible. They. Okay. You didn't this is why we have in Central Arkansas. It's all meth up there. It's, yeah. it's all meth. <laughs> Not all Arkansas, just North Central Arkansas. It's all meth. It's fine. Anywho, the Black Jail was abandoned again after, you know, dead dude in a crawl space. And uh, it wasn't too so hot. And then it was also apparently haunted. So people started claiming that ghosts that were there were all the way back from its jail days. And people said they heard ghosts on the first floor, in the basement, in the hallways. People claim that metal doors slammed shut, even though there were no more metal doors left in the building. And some people said there was coughing because there's probably there was no fucking insulation. So, of course, everybody's coughing because they have the flu. And then some people claim that there was a female wearing a long printed dress and a large hat and gloves like a classy bitch. And they assume that she's probably from that Nazarene church. A young woman's voice is heard singing on the ground floor of the entrance, and they call her the Black Jail Lady, which is incredibly original. And then 
The most famous ghost is thought to be James Phillips, which according to court records and newspapers was in jail because he murdered a dude. And he was the first white man to be sentenced to hang in the jail in 1907. But plot twist, according to the guards, he was watching from his windows as they built the gallows to like hang him. And then he dropped dead. And they wrote down that his, you know, cause of death is that he died of fright. All that work to build the gallows. And then the dude just drops dead. Wouldn't you be pissed? Nah, you get to use him again. (laughs) It's not like he was the only one. He was just like the first one. <laughs> it's true. So then after that, all the guards said that he was haunting his asses. Uh, and then for the sake of research, I watched the Ghost Adventures episode of this. Because, you know. And it was season 13, episode 2, for anybody that gives a shit. And it was called The Samaritan Cult House. So Zach Baggins, or Baggins, or whatever the fuck his name is, says right off the bat that her rituals opened portals and, quote, it's like they draw door frames, and whatever comes in those doors is coming through those doors. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't. He makes no sense. And then later he says, "Guys, it's down there. My third eye that I've developed over the seasons says that there's three dark figures down there." So you know, this is a very credible source that I'm giving you guys. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> They did find some of those symbol cards that I talked about earlier that they put under barcodes and like kids and stuff and then like lose their fucking minds because you're like, oh my God, we found one. Uh. And then they like pocket those for some reason. And then this other lady shows up out of nowhere and she's like, I was up there and some lady grabbed me by the neck and like pulled me backwards and it's like refusing to go back in. They did some EVP stuff, you know, like. Uh, voice phenomenon videos or whatever and the only word they could find was the word video and then they were like oh my god the husband that died was a videographer so this is obviously his ghost talking to us this is just ridiculous how do these people have a tv show and we don't like i just i don't, I don't know they make a lot of money they make <laughs> a make lot of money so much money <laughs> Uh, and then one of the investigators that they had with him had a barcode tattoo. And then he's like, oh, my God, somebody stretched my barcode. And she hates barcodes. So it's obviously her ghost. Like, <laughs> just seriously, I can't. And then they're like, not enough's happening. So let's like whip out a Ouija board, which hard pass for me because this is how you fucking get demons. But they're like, let's do this. So then Baggins is like playing off the Ouija board. He's like, I'm being jolted by a strange physical twitch. And those are his exact words. So then he says like the planchette starts moving and then all the cameras like coincidentally start malfunctioning. And then the board writes JP and they're like, oh my God, that one guy's name was initials JP. You know, the guy that dropped dead from the gallows, which every single person that was playing with the Ouija board knew that guy's name. So I don't buy it. And then Zach says that he's in a trance and then he's hearing footsteps. Somebody's coming at him. So I'm like, all right, whatever. And then nothing's happening. So they decide to get the guy with the barcode tattoo to sit down. And then the thing starts moving and they ask her, did you die here? And then the planchette says no. And they, for no reason, like, is there anybody here you don't like? And then it spells out 119. And then Barcode Boy starts screaming, oh, my God, my birthday is like January 19th. That's 119. 
and he starts freaking out. And that's also his barcode, which my first response is like, who barcodes their number, like, birthday on their wrist? Let's uh, let's face facts. If you have a barcode tattoo, you deserve <laughs> to be haunted. It's <laughs> true. Like, who does that? I, I love, actually, one barcode tattoo really made me laugh. I saw it on the internet. I can't remember what item it was, but they actually legit, like, it might have been a Hershey bar. I don't know, but they legit <laughs> put a barcode on their arm. And then at Walmart, they scanned it, and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna follow through with the joke that's funny that's good i i appreciate like that that i'm like i can okay i can, I can back that up <laughs> so then they start asking if the ghost is talking to them is linda you know the lady that killed her husband put him in a crawl space and it says yes and then they ask if there's a demon and they say yeah there's two of us and then they're like okay Tell us what demon it is. And I'm not going to say the demon name because that's how you get demons. But it's ones that start with Z and M. Anyway. So and then it starts spelling out like I'm going to kill one of you. And then like none of them seem concerned. Which. Why? If you're. Uh, if it's real and a demon's like I'm going to kill you. You leave. I don't. I don't understand. So then they have barcode boy sitting there and it starts spelling out shit. And it says his, it says Jay's family, which barcode boy's name is Jay. And he's like, Oh my God, that's my family. And then it spells like kidney. And he's like, Oh my God, my brother is on dialysis with kidney failure. Nobody knows this. And it's, it can't be real. Like they were trying too hard. He's like, I couldn't have known that. Cause I was looking away. No. Anyway. And then, Something slams and then like Zach Baggins is like, oh my God, a two by four flat flew across the room. And they did like 30 replays and I didn't see that shit. And I made Zeke watch it too. Neither, neither of us saw a two by four, you know, slam across the room. And then they do some more voice stuff and it's like dumb being like, I'm a demon and I'm going to kill you. And then just like the episode's over. So there's my research of this. Supposedly haunted. I don't buy it. <laughs> and I believe in everything. So they didn't really, they didn't really get me. Do you believe, me. David? And ghosts do, I, and the, do you believe? You can't have lived the life that I've led. <laughs> and, not, and not believe. But I taught my ghosts. So, like... <laughs> so, do I believe in them? Sure. Do I take them seriously? Nah. No. Okay. Okay. Because I, like, talk to them sometimes. I'm like, my sister actually tells a story. That house that they were living in up here in Ohio that was haunted, one of her friends, when people still rented movies, had gave her this movie to watch. And it was, like, her only night off work, but, like, the TV wouldn't work. Like, it kept shutting off. Every time she turned it on, it would shut off. Scouts on her. <laughs> my sister goes, I really need to watch this movie tonight, like, talking to the proverbial people. Right there. And it worked. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, there's this weird shift that's always been around. So, yeah. I'm not really messed up about it, though. Yeah. I don't think my current house, I haven't had anything go on in it. It's, I I believe it's because my sister's the haunted one, and she lives in Ohio now. So, <laughs> but. Where you're at right now, though. <laughs> there is, like, this really weird story, and my iPad's going to die here. But, so, there's this really weird story. So, my sister will was talking to these pe- this dude online when people still use chat rooms, right? And so he told her that he was a dream walker <laughs> and basically he could identify if you were haunted or not. 
my sister's like, what the fuck? You know, I'll give her, give it a go. And, uh, he said, when you go to bed tonight, just be thinking about my name, whatever. This guy who she's met, and she didn't tell him any personal information other than her first name and a little bit of like the backstory of like hauntings. He described her bedroom, the two dogs we had, the pile of laundry in the corner, like all kinds of stuff. Oh, it was no. pretty interesting to say the least. Nope. Yeah. Nope, 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 so, nope. yeah, it, it was a pretty, pretty wild thing. And then he said that my sister was haunted by some old lady. <laughs> and he said she, she wasn't friendly. That's what he said. But oh, uh, shit. I thought it was my grandma, but you know, whatever. My you have a mean grandma? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. My grandma was something. Like a shotgun on the porch kind of grandma? My grandma tried to stab me one time. Oh, okay, then yeah, that might be your grandma. Yeah. Now, in, in her defense, that was when her Alzheimer's had really got ramped up. Oh, yeah. So, you know, she was trying to stab me, but she wasn't really physically capable. But my grandma was a hard ass. She was five foot tall. And, I mean, just... I had a friend. Now, keep in mind, I'm 6'5 and 300 plus pounds. I have a friend that makes me look like a small person. And he was scared to death of her. <laughs> and awesome. so we'd be like, Gra- Grandma, Josh won't leave us alone. And she'd go out and start yelling at him off the porch. It was so funny. <laughs> okay, then, yeah, I think that's your grandma then. Just this little yeah. tiny ghost. She's ready to shank you in any moment. Yeah. <laughs> Just a senile Exactly. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> That's hilarious. I saw Psychic once and she was like, Oh, you're haunted by something. But I swear to God, I used to have a thing where I'd wake up or I'd think I was awake and something would be standing over me and it was like this weird dude in like a big hat. And like the ever since my dad died, it's never happened. But it used to happen all the time. So I'm like, at least my dad's trying to like look out for me now. <laughs> the only time I've ever had an experience like that, my mom's now ex-husband. The house you came at in Greenbrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greenbrier. Anyway, his mom died in that house. <laughs> and I remember being down there staying the night. And I woke up and I felt like I was suffocating. And I mm-hmm. felt like, you know how you get that feeling when somebody's like looking at you? <laughs> That's how I felt like when I woke up. Like I felt like I was mm-hmm. suffocating. And it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was an odd, an odd yeah. feeling. Yeah, that used and to happen so, all the time. I'd wake up screaming because I felt like something was like on me. And the few times people were like in the room with me, they're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> right. Yeah. Not a good look. No, um, no. no. It's just, <laughs> such a pass. <laughs> yeah. But I'm a person that doesn't get weirded out real easy. Cause like if I have nightmares or whatever, I love them. Love them. I'll try and stay asleep. It's like, I can tell myself while I'm asleep that like, this is just a dream. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck it. We're going for it. Let's go. You know, it's like, we're in just, <laughs> I can be like, nope, we're staying asleep. It's like mm-hmm. I negotiate with myself. Oh, so, I know people can do that. People can, like, realize you're sleeping and do all kinds of cool shit. I cannot do that, apparently. I've tried. Yeah. I've only been able to do that once, to have a lucid dream. And I'm like, I, I remember in the dream, I'm like, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm going to go swimming. And my mom was like, you can do anything in your dream. And you went swimming? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I like <laughs> But, like, I'm talking, like, weird dreams, though. Like, you know, those Saw movies and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've had dreams kind of like that. And I'm like, oh, hell yes. Like, let's go. <laughs> Do this. Yeah, exactly. 
giant peppermints into a portal to protect the universe and the government from shadow people from taking over. That should be like a book. I don't know. Yeah, in our live show, I, what it was this past Sunday? Yeah, I, I talked about, I said about half the dream, and it was crazy ass story. <laughs> and it should be, it should be a graphic novel or something. It should be. It was really funny. I know, giant peppermints and giant pieces of popcorn being thrown into this portal to protect us from, I think, Thor, and then, like, his evil sister was helping us for some reason, and... Obviously, I just watched Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I love that movie. I love it so much. Anyways, it didn't matter. Oh, uh, yeah, I wish, like, I always hoped, because I used to have dreams when people died. I'd have dreams that they'd come visit me and I'd, like, talk to them. But it was, like, by the time I got to, like, when Ray died, you knew Ray. She, you went to high school with her, right? Yeah. Like, she never came visit me. And I'm just, like, so irritated. I'm, like, haunt me. Like, when I lived with her sister, I felt like she haunted me all the time, but I don't feel like she haunts me anymore. I just look like, haunt me, ho! Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I always get the things I don't want to haunt me. So the people that want to haunt me don't haunt me. Story of everybody's life. Yeah, I know, I'm like, that's such a weird wish. <laughs> like, it is! It's like having a stalker, and you're like, oh, it's not really the person I wanted. And I so- know when I was a kid! <laughs> My grandparents both died, and I remembered having dreams of them coming and talking to me and, like, whatever. And then when I was a teenager, like, really young teenager, one of my friends committed suicide. And he, I remembered having a dream of him and him saying things that were going to happen, and they actually happened. And then when Ray died, I was like, at least she'll come to me in my dreams. She's never visited me in my dreams. So, but. David, what percentage are you at now? Uh, <laughs> he did. <three. laughs> I see you looking in the corner, so I'm like, oh, he's probably checking percentage. Well, thank you for coming. Like, at least get this in there before. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. You've been hilarious. (laughs) You have been. You're so funny. Thank you. Thank you. It's, you know, the years of experience, I guess. I used to be, (laughs) when when I was a kid, we, me and my sister still joke. I, we joked that I was Red Ribbon Week, David. Until I was like 12, I took everything so fucking serious to the point where, you know how it's literally Red Ribbon Week at school? Yes. My fire safety poster board that I made was because my sister never always kept forgetting to turn her curling iron off. And so, like, my poster board that I made was our bathroom and my sister leaving her curling iron on. And it was going to burn our house down (laughs) and stuff like that. And... Yeah, I was, adorable. <laughs> I was very, if my mom told me she was going to be home around 8, mm-hmm. if it was 8.05 and her ass wasn't home, I was calling everybody I knew. Because my, oh. my mom was dead in the ditch, whatever. So I was very much Red Ribbon Week, super serious, all that stuff. So yeah. You said until you were 12? Yeah, I actually remember. What, what happened at sister, 12? <laughs> a moment I, of I guess, clarity. <laughs> I, I guess I had an epiphany that I just wasn't very likable. And uh, I was like, not not really to that extent. <laughs> but like, my sister was the funniest person I knew. And so I was like, I remember asking her, I guess in like a very innocent and sincere way. I was like, how do you be funny? So yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. Aww. And now... And now she's nowhere near as funny as I am. So Oh you surpassed the teacher. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) 
but yeah, no, it's it's just one of those things that was so funny to think of me like now versus me back when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I guess talking about your college days. Good lord, man. Yeah, I think I was talking to Carrie yesterday. I'm like, I think David thinks he's funnier than me, but I hope I'm still funnier because <laughs> he's being on here. Like, don't surpass me. Well, the well, I'm easily funnier than Carrie is. So. <laughs> That's just that's big facts. <laughs> um, so is that because you're tall? <laughs> uh, Carrie's actually fairly tall too. She's not oh. quite as tall as Kina is. Yeah. But you know, there's only so many Sasquatches around here. It's true. Around not these parts. Same squinch. Yeah. Uh, Carrie, I believe, had a golf scholarship or some craziness like that. Something along those lines. So. I would say she came from a privileged background, but she grew up in Blyville, so I know she didn't. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> so I was wow. like, you can come with this, and she's like, I don't think I'll be that funny. <laughs> I was like, she's you're right. easily one she's of the right. people I know. <laughs> she's right. She wouldn't be that funny. <laughs> she'd, ha- uh, she'd owe me a rent check from living in my shadow. <laughs> Damn, that is some serious shade. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. Gary's kind of funny. And I wouldn't charge her rent. <laughs> oh, she'll be all but, fired up coming at so you. So generous. That's that volunteer in you that's talking. I know that. Exactly. I like to do charity work. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Anyway, yeah. thanks for having me. My iPad is on 1% now. Okay. So. Thank, you. <laughs> thank you so, so much. Glad to have you. All right. See you guys. Have a good night. <laughs> Yeah, I like him. He's so funny. Oh, all right, guys, you know the drill. If you want to join Patreon, and we have lots of cool stuff. And if you've been listening to our mini gabs, if you're a Patreon, you can be on a episode now. So that's cool. Who doesn't want to be on a podcast? Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we also got cool stuff. We have extra episodes and book chats and merch and all kinds of stuff. So you should check that out. And, um, uh, of course, our social media, which is historical AF pod. And that is on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And it's super amazing. Like, we have memes. We are the meme machines. And mm. they are hilarious. You're welcome. And enjoy. <laughs> I posted the alien one today and it made me laugh. <laughs> it was so good. I cackled as well. <laughs> it was and good. <laughs> I love the today in history and it's just a lot of fun stuff. And we have like our own little community now where we share and laugh and enjoy and cry maybe because of murders and fun stuff. But you know, yeah, it's just amazing. Sign up, join. It's true. And we also have merch. And our next promotion is going to be January 8th, which should be coming up right around the corner. And that's 20% off of everything. Ooh, I'm going to have to jump on that. Yeah. We have a lot of new stuff, so it'll be fun. You should definitely jump in on that. Get the <laughs> discounts. Uh. I'm sure. <laughs> and also, please, please, please send uh, listener stories. Like, literally anything. I know you guys send us stuff, and you're like, I'm sorry it's so short, or I'm sorry it's so long. We don't care. Literally yeah. everything. <laughs> we will take it, and we will make it work. 
Yes, it's all so good. So we want to hear about your family history, your town history, ghost stories. We really like some ghost stories, murder stories, anything. Just send us stuff. It's cool. Mm-hmm. If you We're fascinated us, by everything. Yeah, if you want to just send us a link to some urban legend in your town like some people have, that's cool too. I really enjoy those. So, yeah, anything. We are easily like entertained. The history of knitting, <laughs> which I have held strong on not Googling that shit. I am now, I yeah. now want to know what the history of knitting is. So please, please, please send it. And any other, if any of y'all have any other facts of history that I apparently need to know that I didn't know I needed to know, please send them. Yeah, we had, um, it will come out very soon for our January listener stories. My sent us some like history of pharmacy because that's her job. And it was so cool. So yeah, whatever your job is, send us stuff. We don't care. We don't ask for much except for like everything. We ask for everything. (laughs) (laughs) But we are very appreciative about everything. So appreciative. So thanks guys for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. Yep. Bye. Okay. Bye.